1: People live in a world of their own making. Frankly, that seems to be the problem. Welcome to Angry Planet.
0: Hello and welcome to Angry Planet. I'm Jason
1: Fields. And I'm Matthew Galt.
0: The shine has come off Russia's regular military forces. We've all seen the pictures in Ukraine of burned-out vehicles and crashed drones, everything already starting to rust in the snow. Casualties for the Russian military are estimated to be over 100,000. But the Russian army isn't the only force in Ukraine fighting on Moscow's behalf. The Wagner Group is there too, and we know far less about them and what they're doing. To help us get a better view, we're joined by Jason Blazekis, He's director of the Center on Terrorism, Extremism, and Counterterrorism at the Middlebury Institute of International Studies, as well as being a senior research fellow at the Sufan Group. He also wrote an op-ed for Newsweek on Wagner just last week. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Can we start at the very beginning, which is really what we like to do? What is the Wagner Group? When when was it founded and why?
2: So the the Wagner Group was founded in uh, 2014, and during its founding, it was not an organization that had a, a press release to announce its formation. It was an organization that existed as a so-called private military company with this thin veneer of plausible deniability. That's why they didn't have this big grandiose um announcement and as a fighting force it first was projected um, as a fighting force in uh the 2014 Crimea conflict when the Russian Federation um annexed uh, portions of Ukraine in the Crimea region uh the Wagner group was part of the fighting force to uh, advance Russian geostrategic interests and its founder um, the individual who bankrolls the so-called Wagner Group is an individual by the name of Yevgeny Prigozhin, And Prigozhin is known as Putin's chef. And we could talk about why that's the case later, maybe if you're interested. But he is uh, ostensibly an oligarch, an individual who has uh, accumulated a great amount of wealth within the Russian Federation. And with that wealth, he was able to form the Wagner Group. And within the Wagner Group, you have primarily Russians, but an interesting aspect of the Wagner group is that it's composed of um, mercenaries from across the globe. They've made a, an effort to recruit individuals from all over the globe. Um, and they, while I, I would be reticent to say that they are ideologically driven, they do have individuals at senior levels during the time of its founding, um, specifically individual by the name of a uh, Uh, Dmitry Utkin, um, who was a lieutenant colonel formerly of the um, Russian Spetsnaz, and he is an individual that has neo-Nazi ideologies as well. So you have that strain. People always ask, why was it called the Wagner Group? Um, The lore behind the creation of the so-called Wagner Group is because Dmitry Utkin was uh, a a fan of Adolf Hitler, and Hitler's favorite uh, composer was Richard Wagner.
0: I was just about to ask you that. That was my next
2: question.
1: So... Will you Sorry, go ahead, Matthew. follow up on Dimitri? There is a picture that goes around the internet of him. Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, will you describe the picture for the audience?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Bald guy like me, um, you know, tall, um, imposing uh, figure. And this uh, picture you're talking about, that's been circulating over the internet the last uh, year or so um, is a picture of him um, with no shirt on and, um, and his right and, and left um, area of his shoulder um, near his uh, clavicle on each side are essentially, uh, SS, um, uh, tattoos. So SS is obviously, um, a fighting force of the, the Adolf Hitler, uh, uh, Nazi regime. So here's an individual who's, uh, you know, literally wearing, um, those, those tattoos on, on his skin. And, and people have said, well, is this really a picture of him? And there have been some studies looking at his, uh, facial composition and comparing it, um, to, um, an older picture that's known to be him, and there was a, a 74% match. Um, so it's very likely he is that individual. The interesting thing about him is um we haven't seen him associate it with the Wagner group openly since uh 2016. And in 2016, actually he was awarded uh, some high-level medals from uh, uh Vladimir Putin himself. So the question is like, what is his role today? And that is to me a significant question mark. Irrespective of his role, though, since the group's formation in 2014 um the wagner group has um rapidly expanded not just in terms of personnel um but also in terms of where it operates worldwide
0: how many personnel are we talking about
2: uh, we're we're talking very likely you know, the, the 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 precise answer is unknown um this is not an organization that uh precisely um tells us the the number of individuals within it but we're talk, talking very likely in my mind um understanding where they are throughout the globe and how they've been deployed in ukraine more recently um we're talking probably more than 10,000 individuals who compose the the so-called Wagner group so it's it's not an insignificant um number of individuals um and it's probably a, a group that has grown pretty considerably um given some of the recruitment tactics the group has utilized like what what well, one example of that um is uh, over the course of this summer um Yevgeny Prigozhin uh, went into Russian prisons to essentially, um, take individuals forcefully out of those prisons to fight for the Wagner group. So they've been able to artificially, uh, I guess you could say, or, um, very, uh, coercively, uh, bring their numbers up. Um, and part of the reason is because obviously they have sustained a lot of casualties a- along the lines of the Russian Federation um, conventional military as well. Um, in addition, there have been reports for instance, of trying to recruit out of Afghanistan, um, trying to recruit uh, members uh, that had been formally trained by the United States in Afghanistan to to fight the Taliban. And those individuals, obviously with the United States departure from Afghanistan in August of 2021 um, are trying to make ends meet. Um, there are certainly no friends of the Taliban and, uh, the Wagner group has identified this as an area for potential recruits. And so now I haven't seen the figures that have come out of that recruitment effort, but I think it shows the depth and scale in which they're trying to recruit individuals. And there were reports earlier than that as well, that they were trying to recruit individuals out of Syria to fight in um, the Ukrainian conflict as well. So very uh, diverse recruitment methods being utilized by the group. Um, and, you know, some of them coercive, others uh, primarily uh, fiduciary related.
0: Yeah. How does it pay? I mean, is it
2: a it good pays job? Pretty well. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It it pays. Um, you know, thousands of equivalent U.S. dollars per month. And in the context of, you know, how people are getting by in Russia these days because of significant sanctions, that is not an insignificant amount of money and certainly more than the, uh, uniform soldiers make on a monthly basis. So it is a fairly lucrative, uh, way to, to make money. Um, and because there's desperation, because of sanctions amongst other things, combining that with the coercive aspects that uh Pergoshan has adopted, it, it is a a a pathway to potentially making more money for your family. At what, the sacrifice of potentially your life though.
1: What makes you an attractive recruit?
2: At, you know, these days in the context of the significant losses that you documented up top of this show, um, you know, it, it it's it's you know, not a lot of things would make me want to go. Um, so it's it, it's it's you know anybody who you know can ostensibly you know walk on on their two feet would be attractive to the Russian Federation right now. You know they have been well documented Russian males are fleeing that country um, because of some of the missteps of uh, Vladimir Putin, who put into place essentially a draft um, that led to a lot of uh, military age men um, leaving in mass um, quantities from the Russian Federation. So right now, anybody who has a pulse, quite frankly, (laughs) would make an attractive recruit. Um, And the Wagner group's attractive to use in a lot of ways because it allows for the Russian Federation to say that the battlefield losses aren't as significant as they otherwise would be because Wagner is not part technically of the Russian military. So if they're getting killed... Um that doesn't you know add up to the death toll that you talked about earlier as well, so I, I think it gives them the ability to to control the narrative to an extent that the losses aren't as bad as they could be.
0: Does that mean that the Russian government is paying Wagner in basically the way they pay the regular military or uh how does how does that relationship
2: work? So, Wagner is paid um, through the coffers of Yevgeny Prigozhin, And Prigozhin has made a lot of money through the backs of uh, contracts he has had in place for a very long time, very lucrative contracts with the Russian Federation, um, ranging from cleaning services to contracted services in the food industry. Um, couple that with the fact that Yevgeny Prigozhin has been able to to accrue, accrue uh, finances through the deployment of the Wagner group elsewhere, particularly in places like Africa, where they've exploited natural resources, has been another method in which the group has secured finance. And those financial components are the ways in which um, Wagner is being paid. So the Russian state may not be paying them directly. Um, and and that is another example of this thin veneer of plausible deniability that the Russian Federation has. The interesting aspect to this, though, is technically speaking, the Russian Federation has outlawed private military um companies. So in theory, the Wagner group really shouldn't even exist. They should be banned pursuant to the Russian criminal code, Article 35, uh, 359, which um bans um, private military companies. And that, that's another reason why the Russian state really can't just uh hand Wagner um, group uh, money directly. So how well it's trained, speak, right? It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's great. You know, it's a double speak game,
1: right? But that's how all of this Russian shit works. It does I, absolutely. Like this it's always just it's always double speak and obfuscation and stuff that from the outside doesn't make any sense.
2: Nope, it only makes sense if you really understand the ways in which the Russian political system operates, because this does sit really nest nest it well um within sort of how historically um Russia and the Soviet Union have operated historically how
0: capable is this group i'm just wondering if i walked in and i was a warm body which is an assumption and i said i want to join up would they have the ability to send me through basic training could i choose whether i want to be a radio operator or Drive a tank? Do they have tanks? You know, I mean, I'm just wondering how much it's like uh, all of the ads that we have in the United States for joining the military.
2: Yeah, so um, they they have a training facility uh, in a in a former um, Spetsnaz camp, so they can do training in Russian Federation soil. They have deployed individuals throughout the globe who have been able to secure real world experiences through those deployments. It's important to take a step back also to say that the Wagner group is composed of individuals as well that have been formerly in, um, the military within Russia. So they do have some individuals that actually have, um, significant experience. Uh, Dmitry Utkin, for instance, the example I gave earlier today, um, was a lieutenant colonel, um, in the, the GRU essentially. So they are composed of individuals that, that have Um, in some cases, real world capabilities. Now, of course, some of these new recruits that have come to the conflict, in in a lot of ways, I've kind of described them as as can of fire. They're just throwing them into the fire, um, using them, you know, as as fodder more than anything else, to the level in which they have the capability to train them before they deployed. Um, I I think is at a very low level. But as a fighting force, I think the Wagner group's experiences um in any number of areas um has been. I would label uneven. In some cases they've been successful, um perhaps in the context of Crimea and Ukraine they've been more successful um perhaps than the the Russian conventional military and I think that's in some some reason why Putin has uh, perhaps been sidling up um closer um to uh Prigozhin than Prigozhin has been criticizing Shoigu, the Minister of Defense, and I think part of that reason being um, They have been perceived to be more successful in Ukraine. Uh, but, of course, they've been deployed in other places like Syria, where um they actually had an exchange with U.S. military forces and they did very poorly there. Um, they were deployed in places like Mozambique before, and they um, left Mozambique because they were saw- slaughtered by Islamist uh, rebels in that country. So in, in some experiences, they've been very poor um on the battlefield in terms of how they've been uh, effective. In other cases, perhaps better than the conventional Russian military.
0: Do they have military equipment like tanks or aircraft, um, or is it really just an infantry force?
2: No, they they have um, hardware. Um, you know, Prigozhin's a very rich guy, um, so they have like significant hardware. Um, they have personal arm carriers. There is um, a story that came out about six seven months ago that even they may have fixed wing um, aircraft. Potentially, um, there was uh, some good reporting that uh they they may have those kinds of assets in places like Sudan they certainly have helicopters so this isn't just a a, a bunch of uh dudes in boots um walking about um Ukraine or the um remote areas of, of Africa they actually have a real deal hardware um so in that sense they they are uh in organization that has uh materiel that allows them to project Force um, in ways in which makes them capable.
1: All right, angry plan listeners, we're going to pause there for a break. We'll be right back after this.
2: There's never been
0: a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify.
1: All right, Angry Planet listeners, welcome back. We're talking about the Wagner Group.
0: Can I hire them?
2: Well, um, it depends if you're an individual in the United States, for instance, which you are, Jason. So, um, you know, the Russian Federation has made a list of countries who are friendly and unfriendly. So you being in a country that clearly is unfriendly, you probably would have to go through significant vetting before you could... uh, Hire the Wagner group. Um, so probably unlikely you would meet, meet you know, go through that vetting process. But I will say, like, you know, less tongue in cheek. You know, if you're in a country that isn't deemed to be unfriendly and this, you know, many countries fit that bill. Um, we have seen the Wagner group hired by a number of um, authoritarian or leaders who have taken over in places like Mali through a military coup to help with their security situation ostensibly. Um, and I say security situation is to essentially prop them up so um, they can retain power in the illegal ways that they they've held it. And especially in, in Mali as one example where there was a military coup. So um, we have seen them higher throughout the world, um, primarily in places uh, like Africa though.
1: Yeah. Can we drill down on that? We've actually, yeah, a, we sure. actually did an episode about it uh, with a reporter from Africa, maybe six months ago. And, um, and it's kind of one of these, these. there's an old truism uh, in defense reporting that Africa is the most important no one wants to read about. Uh, and if you, we had a standing rule at an old place that I worked where if we were writing about something very important that was happening in Africa, don't put Africa in the title because readers typically won't click on it. Uh, and so we're talking about Wagner group right now, it has become come up in the news a lot and I'm seeing it getting a lot more mainstream coverage because of the Ukraine connection. However, uh, they've been operating for a long time in Africa, right? And it's not just Mali. Can you talk about some of their other activities in Africa, uh, and kind of what it tells us about the group?
2: Yeah. So you can kind of skip around the, the African continent, um, in, in Libya, for instance, as w- one example in North Africa, the Wagner group has deployed there to, um, try to change the outcome of the civil war by supporting individual by the name of Khalifa Haftar. Um, in the context of that, that support trying to use their fighting force to augment Haftar's forces, um, they've been able to, to gain access to, um, oil connected facilities as just one example of this tit for tat. Wagner doesn't do anything for free, nor does Wagner do anything in my estimate, um, that doesn't benefit the larger Russian Federation geostrategic interests. In, in Libya, um, supporting an individual like Haftar in an effort to influence the end game in Libya, where perhaps the Russian Federation then could gain access to warm uh, water ports and things of that nature, like they did in Syria, because they were deployed there as well in Syria. And as part of that deployment in Syria to skip around in the Middle East, um, uh, the Assad regime gave uh, certain benefits, again, in terms of oil access, um, warm water port access to uh, Wagner mercenaries and to the Russian Federation. Right. So this tit for tat um, that we see in Libya Um, in Syria has also played out elsewhere. Um, Fast forward a little bit um, in Sudan, then you saw the Wagner group um, prop up a a military uh, authoritarian leader. um, And Sudan came out of this really terrible picture of where you had a a hardliner in power for a very long time. Um, There was uh, an uprising we saw briefly um civilians take some ownership over sudan again and then the military has kind of like this run roughshod over them um in an effort to help retain their power um again leveraging the wagner group to help provide for security services ostensibly training sudanese uh, um military forces uh because a lot of the wagner group individuals are former russian military and they have um capabilities to to train um, and build capacity of military forces. We we saw them do that on behalf of the Sudanese regime um, in power right now in exchange for access to to gold mines. Um, in fact, those gold mines were providing significant source of revenue and likely still do for the Purgosian um, enterprise and the Wagner group to the point where um, it was so well known uh, a few years ago um, the U.S. Department of Treasury designated, um, an entity known as the Moreau, um, M E R O E, group, which was a gold organization, um, acting on behalf of the Wagner group. So that was a really good example of this, this trade of essentially access for natural resources for security services, um, as well as, um, having influence in a country. Um, we can't underplay that significance. They've also done essentially the same thing in places like the Central African Republic, um, propping up a, a long time um, uh, hardliner um, in the Central African Republic in exchange for providing security services to to him um, for access to, to gold, diamonds and timber. Um, timber being a, a very significant natural resource um, in the Central African Republic. And just within the last 24 hours and December 15th, we've learned um, quite possibly Wagner's making inroads in Burkina Faso now as well. So um, they, they've been all over Africa, um, but generally to to plunder the natural resources of, of that country and to gain significant political leverage within that country as well.
0: It's amazing that Moscow gets the benefits of this and Seems like it takes none of the risks. Uh, I mean, is that fair to say? Is it really? Does it? Uh, does the fig leaf work? Does anyone say, "Oh, it's just Wagner"? You know, this, uh, I mean, at, at, this point, yeah. at this point, at this point, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah it's got to not be right. I mean, it's just well, so f- ridiculous.
2: What What happened? The consequences, though, for this adventurism that's happened throughout the the globe in the context of Wagner's activities. And in my mind, very few consequences. You know, the Treasury Department has designated, um, the Moreau Gold Group and amongst other entities in Sudan, but they still continue to operate with impunity in, in Sudan. Um, they, as an organization, Prigozhin himself has been sanctioned a number of times. Um, but yet he's up, op- he's able to operate with impunity. Um, and it seems like the, the welcome mat has been out. For the Wagner group in a number of locations with very few um, negative consequences for the organization, aside from the the firefight that they engaged in in Mozambique, where a lot of Wagner individuals were killed and the firefight that they had engaged with in the United States where um, engaging with U.S. special forces. They, they lost terribly. Uh, but you're, you're right. Um, it, it's unfortunate, but the Wagner group continues to operate. We all know what the Wagner group is, um, but they still are welcomed. And the question is, how can you change that calculation?
0: So how can we change that, co- that calculation?
2: Well, you know, I, you know, one example of what the United States should consider doing, Jason, I, and I wrote for, for Newsweek, you know, a piece that suggests that one pathway could be to potentially designate um, the Wagner group as a, a foreign terrorist organization pursuant to U.S. law. And with that comes a number of consequences. But one consequence that I think is meaningful is that it makes it harder for groups or countries to want to work with the Wagner group. It could serve as a deterrent effect. Um, and I say this because while the Wagner group is designated for other things pursuant to U.S. law, um, they aren't treated as a terrorist group. And I think that raises the stakes for countries and for individuals within those countries to do business with the Wagner group if they were labeled as a terrorist entity. It's one thing to, to work with a, an organization that, that is, uh, designated because of the activities it carries out in Ukraine, which seems like a, a very distant conflict, right? For a number of countries, um, in, in Africa. Um, it's, there's this disconnected feeling, but you know, if you designate the Wagner group and they operate, um, in your back door or in your country, um, that could lead to potential prosecutions. It could lead to U.S. determinations that we can't provide foreign assistance to a country. Um, so it may, in my mind, lead to a important decision moment for certain actors within Africa to say, do we de-risk from this relationship with Wagner or do we continue on and risk the opprobrium of the United States um, and potential sanctions and potential prosecutions of individuals because the FTO regime is very closely linked to material support prosecutions. And in fact, a lot of people don't know this. They just think the FTO, Foreign Terrorist Organization designation, is a sanction, but also it comes with consequences to include jail time for individuals who provide material support to that designated group. So in my mind, it could have that uh, positive effect in terms of changing um, the calculations. And and I say this, especially under the backdrop of what the president of Ghana said recently about uh, essentially Wagner potentially being in Burkina Faso right now the United States sent very senior um, delegates to Burkina Faso just back in October saying, Hey, please don't work with the Wagner group. Great. And now then like potentially they are, but if the United States said the Wagner group in October was designated as a terrorist group, you better not work with them. You better, better bet that actually probably would have resulted in perhaps a, a different outcome that we're seeing now here in December where, um, you know, quite possibly the Wagner group could be operating um, in Burkina Faso. And I think Newsweek's actually did this reporting as well um, on this uh, possible development in uh, uh, Burkina Faso, which to me is very troubling. So also, I will just say the Wagner Group designation may not lead to the military um, government in Mali saying, ah, we're going to de-risk. But it could also affect that country that hasn't yet worked with Wagner Group too, yet at this point. And I think that's a very powerful um, policy outcome, and it's worth pursuing.
1: I want to back up. I've got a couple more, a uh, little bit more bizarre questions. Um, Putin's chef?
2: Yeah. So why why that, right? So uh, Purgosian has historically had a lot of food-related contracts for the government. So that's why he's been labeled, essentially, the meal services, things like that, Putin's chef. He's made billions of uh, essentially doing contract services in the food industry. Uh,
1: Can you also tell us they're connected to some sort of, it's like a fusion center uh, or a defense tech center that's in St. Petersburg? Yeah, it just got created.
2: Yeah, Yeah, great question. Um, And um, I'm working on this paper with a couple of my graduate research assistants right now that talks about the evolution of the progression group. And in November of uh, uh, 2022, they were able to secure this facility in Saint Petersburg, which is a you know been labeled essentially a, a tech center for the organization. And, and the the reason why was we explore this in the paper for this is um, to expand and diversify its activities. And I think Purgosian knows in many ways he's been looked at as an individual by Putin as someone he can trust um, to essentially uh, do things on behalf of the Russian Federation that um, perhaps others can't. And one reason why the center was created in our paper, we talk about this, was to try to um, stem this brain drain situation that's occurring in the Russian Federation with the Ukrainian conflict started now nearly a year in. The Russian Federation has lost a lot of smart individuals who don't want to die in Ukraine. A lot of these individuals with tech skills and the creation of the center is a way in which they could try to rebuild um, tech skills within the Russian Federation. And a lot of people are trying to, you know, within Wagner, say this is going to be kind of like the new Silicon Valley. You know, that's an open question. And in fact, the interesting thing is um, about this uh, you know, Purgosian has had some words with the the mayor of St. Petersburg as well over the last month and a half. Um, in fact, right now, the center as of early December, at least, based on our information, was empty because um there have been accusations that Purgosian um has been able to secure the center in ways that maybe um obfuscate or um get around circumventing. Uh, St. Petersburg law. So I think there's a, a, a question of, you know, when they can go back in, um, and inhabit this center, um, because according to our information and research, it's, it's currently vacant, um, because they, they may have, uh, skirted, uh, the law, which would not be surprising because if you go back to sort of the Wagner's foundation in and of itself should be illegal pursuant to the Russian law. So Prigozhin was, uh, recently about a month ago taking to task in criticizing the mayor of St. Petersburg for corruption, probably because the mayor of St. Petersburg was actually trying to to hold the Wagner group accountable for some purchases perhaps it has made in St. Petersburg, like this building, that may have uh, skirted law.
0: Or maybe he just wasn't paid off. He wasn't he paid off to,
2: to the extent he would have liked. Exactly. This is how, <laughs> how the world works, unfortunately, in the Russian Federation. A lot of corruption.
0: Where is uh, Wagner going next, do you think?
2: yeah so to me, this is a critically important question for for governments to try to to answer. you know there there have been reports, for instance, that the Wagner group wants to in- increase its foothold in places like Africa. Uh, Africa is a, a very um intensely natural resource rich continent. Um, The Russian Federation obviously has been sanctioned by um, the international community for its activities in Ukraine. So the Wagner Group provides an important economic outlet for the Russian Federation, particularly as it relates to the acquisition of natural resources um, in the movement of those resources or the exchange of those resources for for cash. It could be a way to bypass sanctions effectively. So in my mind, where the Russian Federation um, and the Wagner Group goes next Will be countries that have natural resources and have essentially um, abstained from UN votes related to Russia incursion into to Ukraine, or have voted against initiatives to essentially uh, condemn the Russian um, illegal invasion in Ukraine. So, to me, you know, as I look around the world, where the Wagner Group can go. If I'm a policymaker, I'm thinking about these two things uh, as to areas where they can go next. Wagner is not going to go to a place that that has no money. Um, and the only exception to this is if that country um, would be susceptible to Russian influence, essentially to be um, owned and controlled by the Russian Federation, um, politically speaking. But if we go around the globe, Central African Republic, Sudan, Mali. All countries that are rich in natural resources and have been exploited by the Wagner group. Um, where they also can go could be areas in which, you know, there are so-called failed states, right? States in which um, there is a lack of stability. Um, Wagner can go in, swoop in and try to provide um, security support as a way to say we can help you become more stable um, as a regime. So this is another area I think we should think about. Um, they're not going to leave Ukraine, though. And I think first and foremost, that's the priority for the Russian Federation the conflict's not going well. Um, They're going to need Wagner there. Um, And I had written in earlier this year, I thought we would actually see, um, and this is where my analysis was wrong. I'm um, always willing to embrace when I'm wrong. I wrote for the Sufan Center um that I thought there was a chance that we would see a redeployment of Wagner assets out of Africa and into Ukraine. Maybe we've seen this to a limited extent, but not to the extent I thought we would. Um And I probably misestimated their redeployment because I underestimate it. Perhaps the U.S. government and other governments putting sanctions on Russia in the way that they did. Um, And they have been pretty um, weighty sanctions. And now we're just starting to see the effect of sanctions, I think, on Russia now, um, to the point where it looks like they're going to have pretty significant uh, decline in economic growth, um, making the Wagner Group's enterprise in places like Africa all the more important.
0: Jason Blasekis, thank you so much for coming on the show and illuminating some of this uh, murky stuff. Very (laughs) murky. uh, (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like to highlight that uh, you've been working on recently?
2: Yeah, I I would just say um, stay tuned for um, the Center on Terrorism, Extremism, and Counterterrorism's upcoming report on the Wagner Group. We're going to explore some of the things that we discussed today, um, the tech center as one example in what it means. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the financing of the group um, in terms of natural resources and contracting related to its activities. And I think the, like the one thing we didn't talk about is we've done some sentiment analysis of the Wagner group and how it's perceived within the, the Russian speaking public. And I think the results there are going to be really interesting for folks. Um, but the, the takeaway will be is Wagner has increased in popularity within the Russian speaking public over the last year. And I think this report will be interesting for folks um, because we uh, use data science methods and we do Russian language uh, research as well. That I think may set the report apart from other reports produced by other think tanks that perhaps haven't looked at the, the Russian language dynamics. Thank you again. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Matthew.
1: Planet listeners as always Angry Planet is me Matthew Galt Jason Fields and Kevin O'Dell It was created by myself and Jason Fields $9 a month angryplanet.substack.com angryplanetpod.com can y'all tell I already have holiday brain creeping into me this will be the last new dispatch I think until the new year we will be back uh, the middle of the first week of January with another conversation about conflict on an angry planet stay safe until then Thank you all so much. Everybody who who helps us out with the show, the $9 a month really, really helps us keep going. This thing is very, very much a labor of love. Uh, We really appreciate it. Hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, etc. Stay safe. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.